Welcome to the My Rules Are Better podcast. I'm Tom Barbelay. I have an opportunity to record a podcast today with a very little amount of time. And there was some discussion. Firstly, Spencer Game, thank you for your analysis of recent podcasts. I think the No Nappies recording, I don't know, it seemed to have touched a lot of people's emotions. And thank you for confirming that I have gotten it out. Spencer put out an individual podcast in response to me. And his account of the game with Barney Dicker I thought was incredibly interesting and very charitable to all the parties concerned. Myself in particular, because I have said historically, I want to say that, that the set and setting that one comes to a game as a player is incredibly important. And I'm working out how to embody that in my own rule system, which is just going to take a longer amount of time. I found myself working on London 1940 through the week. It was an incredibly extraordinary week of many late nights, and my hope is that I will just get to things eventually, when I can. But one thing I am getting to, and one thing that no one has mentioned, which the previous recording where I talked about the Ukraine, thanks to Matthew Gibson's question, is the second question from Matthew Gibson, who asks, and this is a very interesting question for a number of reasons, I don't know where I even get to with it. As your miniature pile continues to diminish, what will be the last cluster of miniatures you would keep? And even more intensely, is there a single miniature that you could bear to part with? I purchased a dragon. It's a Tolkien-esque dragon. Its tail is broken. It is in a Ziploc bag in my bookshelf. This is a miniature that I purchased when I first knew Matthew Gibson. It is a remembrance of that time which doesn't exist anymore it's a remembrance of being at my grandparents in Salisbury in South Australia which doesn't exist anymore my eldest bears the name of the city um, but that whole thing doesn't exist anymore except for this dragon which is broken but is perfect in the memory of what it was my hope was at one stage was to glue the tail back on to put in some metal to file it down and get it right and put it back together and potentially one day send it to a miniature painter. But this whole thing with regards to the lead pile has become confused and convoluted. And certainly when I wrote about it in Sea Lion, uh, the book about Operation Sea Lion that I was writing before my project became London 1940, I talked a little bit about how important through my life, my relationship has been with particular miniature painters. And as the lead pile continues to diminish, now this is, what's happened to the lead pile is that I chipped a large portion of it to Yorkshire and it's impossible to get parts of it back because of the postal system and because of the contemporary stuff. So my plan currently is just to wait a bit of time and to get it sent back when it can be and not through the experience that I had with FedEx and other shipping companies, uh, which I've narrated was also the reason for the death of the previously discussed potential miniature company. So unfortunately, the lead pile represents itself as the real world problems. And then once that is said, there's a question of what the lead pile actually means to those around me, those most immediate and important to me. And that is a very curious question. It's one of these things where when you live very remotely and those around you probably on some level have some of these aspects, but culturally are just so different. 
It's a very complicated question. Anyway, let me read this again. As your lip pile continues to diminish, well, well, we've talked about that. What would be the last cluster of miniatures you would keep? Well, I think the dragon is is it. Um, but practically, the lead pile is something. And it's, irrespective of where it exists, it's something that... I had a candid discussion with my brother last night about my father, who is a bibliophile, a proficient bibliophile, but also someone who I strongly believe through my own bibliophilic tendencies and experiences, like... A lot of books is not something anymore. It's a problem. (laughs) So, yeah, as I collect books or have historically, I've got a few in my collection, like, for example, The Origin of the Hunt, which is actually a book that was written, I think, in the late 18th century, if I'm not wrong. Anyway, um, anyway, sometimes, which you can now buy new, new on Amazon for about $43. The original cost me a little bit more than that. You start to wonder what the value of books really is. Like, is there any intrinsic value in them? And I certainly feel that way. My father is in a far worse, well, not far worse circumstance, but has far more books, but still it's a problem going forward. Having a lot of miniatures, I think, is a problem going forward. It would be wonderful to be in the uh, the breast of a community and have people around you that have lots of miniatures and you can play games with them and all this kind of stuff, which I probably can hear for particular games, but just would not get the kind of experience. And this is actually something which I think might have come through some of the discussion that was also no nappies as well, is that I'm looking for a very particular kind of experience, which may just be the wrong kind of experience. And it's interesting, certainly in the Spencer game analysis following that that element, there were a number of elements that were actually lost through Spencer's analysis, but that was one of the elements that were lost. So the lead pile continues to be a thing. My hope is it's a thing that will bring me some degree of enjoyment at some time in my life when I have the space, the time, the energy. But that being said, as an abstract thing now, it's a very abstract thing. I did want to talk, because the relationship I think with the miniature painter is the thing that I come out of this thing with, and historically, it was a gentleman called Fred Reed, who now lives in Florida and now makes amazing full-scale body armor and things like that. But it very much has lost the ability to paint miniatures. And it's a thing that relates to a very specific period of time in many people's lives when they can paint miniatures. And I've worked with a number of artists, which is really leading into this, leading into COVID, where the discussion of the lead pile was, was that it's actually a really difficult profession and it's a profession where a lot of the people that can do it don't have the temperament to do it or, you know, so it's a complex series of things that's required to be a relatively good miniature painter. And there's a complex series of things to employ a relatively good miniature painter. And there's a complex series of things to get those miniatures back from wherever the miniature painter is. And all these things just seems to be a lot of additional complexity, which has got nothing to do with the dragon that I purchased at a game store in Adelaide. Um, 40, not 40 years ago now, maybe 35 years ago now. So it's like the whole thing has just become something that's completely different. The discussion of the lead pile, for me, is more associated with you have this childhood memory and then you didn't have the ability to buy miniatures for a period of time and then you had the ability to buy miniatures in a short period of time and you had a relationship with a miniature painter and then literally 15 years went past and I opened up a suitcase and was like, wow. And then it started again. And 
the quality of the hobby and the elements of the hobby, I was thinking about this as well. Because the gentleman that I referenced in the previous maybe recording associated with a copy editor was actually a very strange experience. And it also didn't remove me from the hobby, but just made me realize that this hobby is way more prickly than it needs to be. Uh, model railroading is also a hobby that's pretty prickly as well. So, you know, you find good people through this, but it's a combination of factors. But I think the miniatures themselves are more a representation of the people. And I was chatting, I think, with potentially Nurgling to last week, associated with the Dicemen book, which is finally coming out. This is the book that got me in front of Jackson and Livingston for an Indian lunch in London 2019, I think. Uh, but uh, now it's coming out, and at the time I realised this isn't the book that I want. <laughs> the thing I'm looking for really is Alan Merritt. I think I might have accidentally called him Ian Merritt in the last recording, which was a complete accident. Apologies. Uh, but, uh, you know, he has insights into the early days of Games Workshop. I was corresponding with Nurgling Citadel as well. The, the, you get little snippets of this. Like John Blanche was interviewed maybe three or four years ago and talked a little bit about the psychedelic impact of this stuff. If you ever have any ongoing correspondence with Kev Adams, I think he's probably spent time with goblins uh, through some time, although not necessarily needs to be narrated. I don't know if you'd get this on Dirk of the Dice if you listened in to uh, Grognard. But, you know, the, the nature of these people's psychology is a very interesting thing. And certainly, as I have in the past now nearly three years, two and a half years, work with Roachy Roachford, I have a sense that this isn't dying, this idea. There are people that will carry it forward, and no doubt there'll probably be a few in the future that are like this, but it's all changing very dramatically. So the lead pile really was a window into finding people, finding the others, and was a window into a particular kind of psychology and just trying to cultivate this i had a gentleman call into model rail radio which i just recorded today where i realized that these are very particular people <laughs> that you're finding and cataloging putting out in audio form and uh yeah I, I feel the same way with regards to the lead pile was it was actually an introduction to meeting a bunch of people that had similar proclivities and similar interests and it becomes very interesting going forward i've always found it fascinating in particular i did this now, 15, 20 years ago, when I wrote open source, uh, I still write open source, but when I first started writing open source and recording podcasts 15, 20 years ago, there was a perspective that a very particular view created in large part by Rich Dawkins' nihilism, well, anti-religion, uh, nominally, very nominally pro-science, but nothing like the science I ever was exposed to. There was a very particular thinking that meant only a certain, they thought only a certain type of people should do this thing. And what I found actually fascinating was that they kind of lost the perspective on that. Anyway, so the lead pile is more about actually meeting people. The people I've met through the lead pile has been more interesting than the pile itself. And the miniature that I would keep is a dragon from South Australia that literally I purchased when I was in my Aunt Helen's house periodically with... Uh, not just Matthew Gibson, but his brother as well, performing about how RuneQuest was, was the thing. So, yeah, that's that's the miniature. Um, I have talked historically about some of the Games Workshop stuff, some of the Games Workshop squats, some of the Games Workshop Chaos Renegades, all great miniatures, dwarves, wood elves, 
bunch of great miniatures through this. There are a lot of really amazing miniatures out there. There are a lot of really amazing sculptors and people behind them. But, uh, yeah, the dragon is just a sentimental thing. I also shared with uh, Matthew Gibson, I actually sent him, because they still make the miniature, a particular miniature that I think, I can't recall if he charged me money for at the time. There was some big discussion associated with that, I seem to recall, having just forked out for this dragon that the, the miniatures that were, like, you know, I wasn't a... Uh, What's the term? I don't know what the term is. Yeah, I wasn't to be exploited here, which I think was a very interesting discussion to be had. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly I passed back the one miniature that Matthew Gibson had given to me, which he painted and did a bunch of things with his son, which still exists, thankfully. But yeah, this dragon doesn't seem to exist in any way I can find. I, I can't recall if I bought it in South Australia or I bought it in Canberra, Australia. Can't recall where I bought the dragon. I thought I bought it in South Australia. But it was very much a going into a miniature store, having worked, I think I dug trenches at $2 an hour for that time, or maybe it was the painting. The painting my uncle's house for a similar wage was a good connection with the squats that I had at the time, gave away since. But yeah, so there, there was always forced labour involved in actually getting the capital to purchase the miniatures. But yeah, that dragon, even as a broken thing that has no connection with anything, seems to be a representative thing that i would still want to hold on to but as as i note with many things in the end these things probably you don't hold on to so it's all very very curious so i think i've given some discussion to matthew gibson's point and obviously the fear of missing out and various other things i've discussed historically with matthew gibson and go back to any of the matthew gibson inspired recordings to see the kind of mental calisthenics that i i'm not only willing to do but uh, we'll continue to maintain in order to humour Matthew a little bit more. And I'm looking forward at some stage for Matthew potentially to give feedback on my Ukraine analysis. The Chechen game, which is just a thing still, is still in some degree of components. Maybe just playing Chaos comes, then the Chechen game. I think that's the order because it would be nice. Maybe have the Chechen game built on top of just playing Chaos. Maybe. I mean... Um, if ever there was a sentiment and a nihilism and mythology that should go together, those two other things. I tried to do a partisan Second World War game, and the psychology for that was may never actually be released, or writing associated with that. But once again, that was a, a difficult topic to cover in a role-playing sense. And I actually think the Chechen conflict probably is equally a topic that's difficult to cover. And increasingly, maybe the whole issue that moved Simsi line to... London 1940 means that most of these things become topics that are just too difficult to cover. Anyway, that's why Battle Tech, I think, is probably a thing. And the Second World War is still, you know, they're still selling miniatures associated with that. So let's see what happens. Anyway, Matthew Gibson, I really hope that I've addressed some of these things. A very interesting question, a question that I couldn't even really decompress as of last week, but I kind of thought I needed to give some indication to this thing and provide a podcast. And I do genuinely enjoy doing some degree of mental kinesthetics in providing these podcasts. And they seem to touch some nerve with some people. So hopefully this is enjoyed. And uh, I promised a certain person that I wouldn't announce the potential that they might actually appear on a future recording if we're still on speaking terms. I uh, had also a narrative associated with the a Sony music producer and the connection between that and this particular person. But once again, that is probably never going to be put out in podcast form. Tom Barbelay in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
hopefully challenging some of the complexity of the lead pile signing out.